Welcome to the Cricket Podcast. This is your host, Mr. Number Nine. And this is the full. Hello, everyone. This is uh, a long overdue cricket podcast after a fantastic summer of cricket, which yeah. we were I think, quite happy to have here in New Zealand and quite fortunate uh, to get. We moved to the Northern Hemisphere and were, we have, I think, a similar vibe in England where they're happy yeah, yeah. to have the cricket again and the crowds are really enjoying it. A bit of a pity that the first match petered out to a what it ended up being. I mean, it was still a bit of an exciting, for a bit there, a bit of an exciting last day with New Zealand having a very, very sporting declaration. I think a very sporting declaration, and I think, I, I honestly don't understand why England literally went from the start to be like, we're playing for a draw. Like, they never but, attempted to win. I know, they only needed like, what was it, just over three runs and over? To get yeah. it. Like it's that's a pretty I mean it's a little fast for a last day of a test match, but it's very doable. You think they might have had a little try. The Lord's pitch didn't look like it had any demons in it. No. It was good for both. I think it was a pretty good and even pitch. It, I think at the last day it was starting to get a bit of up and down variable bounce. Like it there was some that ripped through the keeper and some that were keeping quite low. So that the bounce by the end of the fifth day, wasn't the best. So England are going to have to try and be flexible with their strategy if they want to yeah. win the Ashes. And it feels like England have pretty much made it obvious all they care about is winning the Ashes in Australia yeah. this year, which I'm not sure is the right where you should be thinking about the match ahead of you rather than the match in, you know, eight months' time. Yeah, yeah. Like, let's be honest here. Do anybody think England are going to win the Ashes in Australia? <laughs> Uh, I don't think so. I think it's a very hard ask. That's like all I'm going to say. Like India are a very good team. Yeah, yeah. And that was a close run series. That they, that was a hard fought victory they won in Australia. And there's a reason why those back to back victories are so venerated. Like those were not easy wins. Yeah, exactly. No, it was it was a lot of hard work by India to get there, and they really dug deep to get it. It was something and special. England do not have England India's bowling lineup and no. bowling depth. Or all-rounder debt, or batting debt. Yeah. But they don't, like... India literally played a C-team in the last test to win the game. But their C-team, like any other team to lose as good a an all-rounder as Ravi Ashwin, would be struggling. Yeah. But they not only lost Ravi Ashwin, they also lost <laughs> Ravinder Jadeja, who is the fifth. <laughs> Best all round. I think Ashwin is number five, and uh, Jadeja is number one in the world. And then they yeah. just replaced it with like Washington Sundar and uh, Aksar Patel, who just did the job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's the depth. Like they not only lost their a main all rounder, they lost their second main all rounder, and yeah. both of whom are gun spin bowlers. You know, for yeah, that yeah, yeah. team. And provide that incredible balance. And those guys uh, also got their, uh, you know, they got replaced by guys who just did the, uh, did the job. And they, that's not even talking about their pace bowling lineup, who were on, like, the third tier. Because Boomerah was out. Yeah. Bouvi was out. Like, this was, a, there was a bunch of debutants in that test. And, like, that's not even talking about their batting lineup where Kohli wasn't playing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
so if they if England are thinking of oh, that's because in India you played a third rate team and beat Australia and we we beat India in one game in India and we could have won that test if test series if we hadn't played so poorly yeah. in the other test we can beat Australia that that's not that easy I don't no, think no, no. I think Australia's big thing is they're not going to have that many test matches before the Ashes that would be a concern for me if I were a Becky Greens fan. Yeah, yeah. I mean, exactly. don't get me wrong here. As a New Zealander, I would be, love it if England won the Ashes in Australia. Oh, it would be obviously. hilarious. <laughs> so I'm not suggesting that I don't want England to win. I would very much like them to win, but I don't think this is how you do it. Like I have a vested interest in England potentially doing well in Australia. And yeah. part of that is like England have like at least play with the batting order. They had their two openers are Definitely good. Rory Burns and Dom Sibley can, yeah. you know, hold up an end and bat bat for long periods. If they could just put a couple of their more attacking batsmen at the front to attack, to open with, if they start losing three or four wickets, they can put these guys in to, like, slow it down and get it steady. Yeah. Instead of right away basically getting batting yourself out of a winning position because at that position they were in they weren't really like it was going to be very difficult to lose if they kept their head right like yeah, they yeah. didn't need to go crazy to win and it would be very difficult and i think it was a very sporting declaration because kane williamson wanted to challenge his bowlers into getting a win as opposed yeah. to going this is a easy tire target you're going to bowl at he's he wanted to challenge the bowlers before the match against india I think also there was also a challenge in the bowlers. There was also the fact that having lost a day, you needed to tempt England into attacking or trying. They were, like if England was going to come out and try and be defensive and, and bat the rest of the day, they were always going to be able to do that. Yes, um, there just I wasn't agree. enough time to. Seventy overs is not enough time to get that England lineup out no. in that pitch. If, like this, yeah. is, unless you had an incident like the one we watched live in Auckland a few yeah, years yeah. ago. And, and like that doesn't happen all the time. No, like, and, and the Lords at Lords, it didn't seem to be swinging as much either. Like the ball, yeah. the pitch was pretty, not very dead, but reasonably dead. There wasn't really a lot of movement in the air. Like the bowlers just weren't getting full amount of assistance. There was still, I mean, it's Lords, so you still get movement off the pitch. Last day, the bounce wasn't particularly even. There was still trouble for the batters, but. I mean, yeah, 70 overs was, yeah, that was the maximum they could leave them, really. And it wasn't, if England wanted to, they could bat that out. That was, I think, pretty clear. So I think that's why there was a sporting declaration. It was called, this is something England can get, so go for it, because that's the only way we can win. But if they go for it, our bowlers have to be on top, because England can get this quite easily. So, yes. But as it turned out, England decided that they weren't going to go for it. They were just, they were happy to bat the draw, which is a bit sad, but... That's what they wanted to do, and you say maybe that's their plan going to Australia is to to be able to bat long periods and hope that's going to win them. So win them the Ashes. So we'll see. Yeah, I feel like also that they misread the mood. I think the fans were literally like, "Look, we like the UK has had a far longer lockdown than we've had in New Zealand, and people really wanted to go watch a you know, a test match. They wanted to yeah, watch yeah. something. You know, and they paid their money, and like there was a point where, like, you know, there are no World Series points up, you know, for here. So there's no playing for a draw doesn't get you anything, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If they had promoted someone like Zach Crowley or Ollie Pope up or Dan Lawrence up the order to 
bat and get like get like a quick run, that would at least entertain the crowd, even if they didn't stick around and get yeah, yeah. a big score. At least give some entertainment value, right? Yeah. And you yeah, say, exactly. they still had Burns and Sibley to come in after that if things were looking a bit bad. I guess And like, you know, as opposed to watching a glorified net session, which is yeah. what it became. Yeah. I guess the problem might be that if you do it that way, you might give the New Zealand bowlers, you know, a bit of wind because they get a bit of confidence, they get some wickets, they get their tails up. Yeah, maybe it, it, momentum might be an issue there, and maybe then you have the issues of not being able to keep it down. But even if they went hard and lost, once again, there's no world. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's no World Series points up for this game, and I think we're more forgiving of a team that tries to attack and ends up losing than a team that just doesn't attempt to win yeah yeah well, and if, like, it, if New Zealand had won that test the English would have been absolutely lambasted by everybody for going out defensive and then still losing in so many overs so um, I would have thought also that whereas if they had gone go, for it and lost and like it was a close yeah. game and they, they tried to win the people would be like okay they tried to win you know they yeah, weren't yeah. at least uh, like blocking things out and, and it was all if they tried for the win it was always going to be a close match like it was going to take most of at least 50 overs for New Zealand to get them all out. So it would have been late in the day, you know, middle of the last session, at which point they England would be batting for survival then as well. So quite likely it would start the drag out and you get that exciting finish. So Yeah. Which everybody likes seeing one way or the other. Exactly. Um, flip side, New Zealand, like, bat win the toss bat first as i always suggest and the great debut from devon conway um first debutant uh since uh matthew sinclair to score a double century on the on the he almost carried his bat yeah yeah. but he got he got run out by neil wagner (laughs) (laughs) yeah who did score a useful 25 runs though i must say but um and conway does i think as one of the very specific but very interesting uh, records now. So he becomes the first non-English player to score a century on debut whilst opening at Lords. Wow. Which I find just hilarious. That's, it's a very specific record, but that is Devin Conway. Well, look, there's a, if you did a record at Lords, you did a record at Lords. Yeah. Like, there's a special category. It's like how... You know, there's a special category to get into the ICC Cricket Hall of Fame based on the number of articles Noel Coward written, wrote about you in the <laughs> 60s. Not sure. necessarily how many runs or wickets you got. <laughs> uh, that's a good um, record as well. Yep. Uh, how concerned are we about BJ Watling and Kane Williamson's injury? Uh, bef- uh, obviously, they're not playing this game, and mm. that's going to be a tough ask to beat India without either of them. Yeah, uh, it sounds like Kane's one should be okay for the Test Championship final against India. It, it sounds like it's a little bit of a niggle, and he's had it. He has had it all year, um, but he's played through it mostly. So it yeah. sounds like this was just very much we'll give it a rest. There's no point playing when we want to play that game. So yeah. don't play this game. Rest it up. Let it settle back down, and then he should be fine for the game against India. Watling sounds a little bit more serious, but at the same point, this the game against India will be his last game for New Zealand. So I think he will just it would take a lot 
for him not to be out there. That's true. He does have a very, at least from a batting perspective, he has a very able replacement in Tom Blundell, I think. Yeah. Very capable with the bat and also pretty tidy wicketkeeper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, he's been the heir apparent for a long time. So I could see Tom doing a good job. But yeah, Kane is going to be key, I think. Will Young is a good player, um, but he's not Kane Williamson. Yeah. <laughs> and that is no disrespect to Will Young. I think, um, yeah, no, Will Young's very, very good. And I think he deserves to get compared to not being Kane Williamson in that yeah. he's a good enough player that... It's not yep. that he's not someone else because he is of his own run, but when you get to compare him to to Kane, I think is is the bit he's good enough to be able to be compared. Yeah. But um, the other injury concern is that maybe more maybe more of a worry in terms of not playing is Satna with his cut finger. Um, I am two minds about that. You mm. know, I like Mitchell Satner, and I'm a supporter. Yeah, yeah. But I think in the British condi- overseas conditions, it just seems Ajas Patel offers a bit more. Yeah, yeah, I do agree. Even I from think. an attacking perspective. Yeah. Like, unless you're going to play Ish Sodi, which I would love. Yeah, but they're not going to um, do that. I don't but. think they're going to do that. And I think uh, Ajas Patel, as a, I believe he's a left-arm spinner. Am yes, I left-arm. Right. Left-arm he offers a bit more. Uh, with his finger spin. Yeah. And he's showing it that so far in this test, you know, day one test, yeah. test and he's still got two wickets. And I believe the Southampton pitch will give him some assistance. Yeah. From what I understand. So I think uh, Aegis Patel, I'm not too unhappy if he gets to play. No, no. It's There it just comes down to Satna's experience, I think, and his batting. So, and his batting. Yeah. Like, Ajaz adds to the bowling stock, but Satna's been around a while. So, and yeah. I mean, listening to Ajaz on the um, the news, like he was, like he settled himself in and played a good day of Test cricket, but he was going into this one super nervous because it's what 14, 15 months since last time he played Test cricket, been out yeah. injured, come back in. Obviously, there's a big game after this, and if he does well in this, he there. So, hopefully, this game. He settles himself into the routine of Test cricket, and therefore, if he's needed for, or if they pick him for the, the final, then he's good to go. But yeah. that's more my concern is just that you know with Satna that he will be fine in the Test final. He'll just do the Satna thing and do fine, and will as long as his fingers healed, he'll bowl tightly enough. Maybe won't get all the wickets, but he never seems to be able to do it. Do you think we need the? The you know like it's a bit I agree it's a bit more of a risk to play Ajaz Patel, but do you think that that's what we need to take a bit of a risk to play try and beat India in that game? It I think if we're going to take a risk, that's the place to take the risk as well. Yeah, because you're going to get a slightly better bowling threat. That said, yeah. it is against India. Is why I think like I think. We need a more need a more attacking spinner because India, if mm. they're looking for attacking, there is an opportunity to try and get wickets. Yeah, yeah. Uh, whereas if they're just comfortable and happily milking singles off a spinner, which India are also very good at. Yeah, yeah. You know that that might end up happening with Santner, and he could just he'll just end up being a stock bowler for that game. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I don't think we can carry a st- stock bowler. It's I know it's a terrible way to describe it, but you know. I know what you mean, though. Yeah, 
I like that they're giving Daryl Mitchell a go because I think we do need to try and shore up that um, all-rounder slot. Yeah. Um, even though I think Kyle Jamison is effectively an all-rounder for this team, especially yeah. against India. He has a really good record. So I think in the final game, you will have Kyle Jamison play. I, li- I'm a bit, I like that Neil Wagner got two wickets at the end of the, uh, the last, uh, in the last test in yeah, the yeah. chase, because I think that shows that he does, like, it's, he's, one of, he's probably the best first-change bowler in the, the world at the moment, and yeah. he's devastatingly good in the fourth innings. Yes. Uh, so if we win a win the toss and bat first, which I think would go a long way towards like giving us a, a better, ch- you know, help improve our chances in that game. Yeah, yeah. Because at the India's won lost tosses against Australia and were chased in the fourth innings to win games, <laughs> uh, so we should not discount that uh, possibility from them. Yeah, yeah. Because I think Saudi is good, and I think Bolt is just always reliable. The left armor, he's always going to give trouble to India, and so is Wagner in New Zealand. Uh, you know, in these sort of conditions, because yeah, yeah. Wagner, when he's not bouncing you with his uh, with that short ball attack, he is a he does swing the ball quite well. Yeah, well, his that is his actual trade, right? Is yeah, he's he's a genuine swing bowler, and he can do that. He just has a very good short ball attack, um, yeah. and uses it to good good effect. But when he needs to, and as you know, I'm a I'm an advocate for left arm swing bowling. Yeah. In swing bowling conditions. <laughs> yes. Also, I think giving Matt Henry a go because he's does provide something else a bit different in the bo- batting and the bowling lineup. I believe yeah. he's the quickest of the bowlers here. Because obviously Lockie Ferguson is not in the squad, I don't believe. He's between him and Bolt, I would say. But I think yeah. he, I think he, Henry was bowling the quickest um, last night on day one of yeah. the, the second test. He was, he was quicker bowling quicker than Bolt. But Bolt yeah. can also bowl pretty quick when he needs to. Yeah, yeah. So I think it'd be between the two of them. Yeah, yeah. So there is something in there. Um, so I think bowling-wise, I'm always a bit happy. Even if we had, even if we had injuries or something like that, I would be okay because I think we have depth. We have, like yes. I said, Kyle Jamison. We've got Matt Henry. Yeah, well, yeah. As long as I think at least one of the three lions, I'm gonna call them Saudi Bolt and uh, Wagner, are playing, yeah. I'm not worried about the fast bowling lineup. It's no, what no, it's... we're gonna do with the spin bowling. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Like the fast bowling stocks are ridiculously deep, and it's shown between these two tests against England, right? Yeah, and I like the other bow fast. You only need one of the lines for their experience. You don't need yeah. them there to like because they the others are capable of getting wickets, and the team have shown an ability to hunt in packs and get yeah. wickets as a pack and do that very well. So yeah, as long as one of those three are able to play in the final i think fast bowling wise we're okay yeah i mean obviously all three of them bowling is is awesome as well but then you do have the problem of which the others do not taking in the others but i think i agree spin bowling's the question well and it's kyle jameson right like because yeah. he's got such a good record against india and yeah. he can get 
like he offers something completely different to the other three. Yeah. He's uh he can get he's tall and he gets that steep bounce right arm and he can do like you know and he can get like wickets at uh second change or first change if need be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And has out of the if you count him as a bowler, he is one yeah. of the better batters out of those bowlers because he's really a uh, all rounder. I agree. He offers a really good balance. Like this is why I think we can afford to take Ajas Patel as well because Cal mm. Jamison is that all rounder, and if your fourth seamer is a good all rounder, then you and Ajas Patel's not terrible at batting. No, no. He, he, yeah, he's not our. He's better than um, Bolt and I think Wagner. Though Wagner still probably takes the. Night Watchman, Watchman's um, role, since that seems to be what he's doing. Yeah. yeah. But he's got a first-class 50 and yeah. averages about 13-odds, so okay, while he's not going to score runs, he can at least hold up an end. Yeah. He can let, you know... He's not... If there's a, an established batter, and, oh, he's not Chris Martin, no. It's not even Trent Bolt. Yeah. Not that Trent Bolt's batting is that bad, but... Uh, yeah. None of these guys are Chris Martin... Uh, no. In terms of their batting, Bolt's um, batting style is a little more unorthodox than normal, but yeah, he's also shown that it, it works. It's it's more Vittori unorthodox than Chris Martin unorthodox. Yeah, not as good as Vittori, obviously, but oh uh, no, because no. Daniel Vittori is also another genuine all rounder for yeah. New Zealand at Test level. Yes, um, argue uh, now. With the batting lineup, I'm assuming Kane will play, like you said, and I yeah. doubt, you know, he's not going to miss this no. for the world. And we probably, even if he's batting at like 60%, that's still, like with his captaincy, it, it's just, he adds all that to the team. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, 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 yeah, that's why he's not playing the second test, is to ensure that he can play against India. That's, yeah. I'd say. One way or another, he'll be out there, and I think the same will go for Watling. Like it will take a lot of, a lot of that injury to get a lot worse, um, for him not to be playing, and it would have to be so bad now that he probably was go- coming home already. If it's just needs to be rested, then that's fine. Yeah, yeah, and like I'm a bit concerned, obviously, about Devin Conway, just because he's had the only the one game so far. Um, I think he's well capable. Yeah. And I, do, I don't think he's he's going to get overawed, but I'm sure, like, people... And he doesn't have that much international bowling he's faced. That's the only thing. Yeah, yeah. So he's learning that. how to play at the international level, and it's, you know, his third game is going to be a final against the best team in the world. Yeah, yeah. And arguably the best bowling lineup he'll face. Yeah. And he'll have faced in his career, so... Yeah. Um, it's a tough ask, um, but I think Tom Latham has traditionally done well against India as well, in both India and New Zealand, which yes. is a, a good... And he's good against spin bowling as well. Has Latham scored a double century against India in India? Um, am I remembering that right? I believe you are correct. Yeah, and I think he's also scored it in New Zealand as well against India. What was it, 150? I think he Last has scored a big... He has scored a big... Scored a big century against them, at least. I can't remember if it was a double century. Last year, the year before? when Last time India came. Yeah, yeah. I think it says, I got here, that he carried his bat through a completed innings of 260, uh, four not out. 
Yeah. So, yeah, so he's yeah. more than capable and he has a decent record against, more than decent record against India. Yeah, yeah. I, obviously, regardless of what happens in the World uh, Test Final I, and this game, for that matter, I think New Zealand need to persist with Conway and yeah. keep playing uh, uh, playing him. Yeah, definitely. Both the, Devin Conway is going to play the T20s. Um, so he'll get a lot more chance to face more international bowling and develop his international game. Yeah. So they should definitely, like I, I believe they should definitely keep persisting with him. Do you think Ross, like Ross Taylor did say that he wanted to play one more World Cup? Yeah. For the Black Caps? Yes, I think he's targeting the T20 next year, even World Cup next year, even though he's currently been dropped from the T20 squad. I think he wanted to play for the one-day World Cup. Oh, the one-day one as well. 2023. Like, that would make him 39. Yeah. He's not that... He's younger than us, so we're not... Yeah, good point. Uh, because he basically went, yeah, 20... Because 2019, Chris Gale was still playing, so he's like, look, I think I can still... And yeah. I think in one-day cricket, Ross... Like, and both... And test cricket, for that matter... Um, Ross Taylor's still a very handy contributor. Yeah. Um, he does need to get. I think he had a good, useful knock in the second innings, like a good quick fire. Yeah, yeah. Thirty odd, I believe he got. He came out and did what was needed, which was they wanted quick runs, and he came out and provided those quick runs. Yeah. So, and he was the main um, force that was yeah. was driving the um, New Zealand innings along to make sure we got those quick runs, so that. Kane could have the sporting declaration because he'd have the time to make it work. Yeah, yeah exactly. But I would like to see Ross just get some more runs just to get himself into more nick before yeah. the next game. Yeah. Because I feel like if he is targeting the ODI World Cup in 2023, there's a good chance, if not the next game, like in the next New Zealand summer, he'll retire from Test Cricket to just focus on the one format. Possibly, yeah. Ooh. Be interesting to see how he goes. Um, yeah, he may. Yeah, he may play this coming summer, and then then throw it in. But he may at the same time he may play test through. Depends. I guess it's that may come down to how he's feeling in about a year's time. That's true. As we come up, you know, heading heading into the final New Zealand summer before that um, World Cup. Yeah. So. We all know after the mid thirties, you're basically trying to hold on to as many things as you could you could do in your 20s every week for as long as possible. You slowly give them up over time. But I think this test match will be hopefully a good chance for Ross to really give himself that, that edge, especially going against going up and heading towards the test against India, because he is pretty much this with Williamson out and Watling out. He is the, the senior batter, the senior leader in the side as such. Yeah, and the other person who I'm happy to see get some good runs, and I think is in good nick, is Henry Nichols. Yeah, yeah. I think he's got a really crucial position in that number five in the batting order. Watched a very interesting uh, uh, YouTube video about from Jared Kimber about him. Apparently, until 2018, he averaged about 100 versus offspin, and he since then he's averaged about nine. Oh, that's a dramatic change. All sorts of off-spin against, in all sorts of conditions, including home and away. So he wasn't particular, he wasn't like, oh, before then facing part-time off-spin, and then after that facing people like Ashvin and Nathan Lyon. He was facing 
basically similar level at both ends, and he's just seems to have developed a weakness against upspin. Now he's a left armor, um, obviously. Uh, so it is a known sorry, uh, it is a known thing that they can struggle against upspin, but he's been working on it. Mm. India have four top class upspin bowlers <laughs> in their squad. Yes, two of whom are like the the best all-rounders to be playing the game. Yeah. One of whom, Shane Warne reckons, will beat Morley Terran's uh, wicket tally. So, yes. Yeah. He, it's something he needs to uh, work on, uh, needs to get in order. We yes. Watch out for that. So, yeah. Ashvin Jadeja or um, Aksar Patel, if he ends up playing, uh, versus... Uh, Henry Nichols. On the flip side, um, with the offspin, Tom Latham and Kane Williamson and Ross Taylor tend to bat very well against offspin. I am not. I'm reserving yeah, judgment yeah, yeah. on Devin Conway. He hasn't faced top level international spin bowling. Yes, I think. Um, yeah, that needs to be tested. He may well be very good, but I think it's like we should reserve judgment rather than talk him up or yeah, talk yeah. him down. I, I do agree. I think with Conway. To say that so far he's shown a um, great potential, but you're right that it's it's one game, two and nice. So see how he goes once he gets to have a bat in this game. And it, yeah, so you say you can't really talk him up or down at the moment because you've got to wait to see him in more conditions and against different batters and bowl- or against different bowlers and and game conditions as well. Game exactly. Stresses. Obviously, um, BJ Watling does not have a great record against the big three. He's got a wonderful record against everybody else and has played some clutch knocks. Um, but I think you have yeah. to look beyond just runs when you're comparing BJ's record. He does still yeah. use up a lot of balls and help hold up an end, which I think Tom Blundell is more likely to maybe attack and go for runs if he you're know, trying uh, get more runs if he ends up playing. Which once again, I don't think that's going to happen yeah. um, because uh, BJ's potential last test. I don't. I think he's going to try everything to no. get ready to play. He will play unless, of course, he cannot yeah. move. If he's in so much pain, he cannot move. That's about the only reason he's yeah. not playing. If he can somehow make it through five days of bending up and down I mean, there's the possibility i guess where he says it's where he thinks he can't keep and he gets picked on as batting um, which does add an extra um interest in there about where he um who who he replaces as a batter but that that could be interesting whether they if he can't keep whether he still if plays he can't keep what does he still play because i think in that Still a very good He's batter. He's a very good batter. I think you'd almost want him to play number three at that point, wouldn't you? You know, like the, the CJ Pujara role, basically. Push Williamson to And four. just push everyone else down the order. Um, and then you've got the option of whether you want to keep, uh, keep Tom Blundell in the side, or do you want to... Um, have Tom Latham take the gloves and have Will Young open? There's a big call to have Will Young and Conway, Devin Conway, opening though in the test final. New pairing, both new players That's to the squad. True, but the flip side is there is no data on them. There is that. Like India will will not be able to do much 
And the part of the reason why the pendulum has swung back so far towards bowlers, like literally, I think since 2008, from 2017 to 2018, they said the uh, world test batting average went down by eight runs. Wow. Like every better. So that's not a small amount by any stretch of the imagination. And basically it's all data analysis. Bowlers and both in baseball, and I think it'll will show up more and more in cricket. Analysis helps bowlers more than it helps batters. Because, like, I'm going to use an analogy from one of my favorite episodes, uh, one of my favorite shows. It's uh, called Narcos. And (laughs) in Narcos, there's, like, this great scene where Pablo Escobar basically pulls off some miraculous rabbit-out-of-the-hat trickery to... Uh, evade capture from the Colombian and American police, and basically yeah. the uh, Colombia, uh, the American police officers really mad, and he's like punching, uh, punching the wall, and going on and on about why does he keep getting lucky? And then he's like, why aren't you more mad? When he looks at the police officer, he's like, look, my dad's been a police officer, and his dad before him. The one thing they told me is, pol- criminals are always lucky, and they need because they need to keep being lucky. Policemen only need to get lucky once. Yeah. yeah. So bowlers need to get, batsmen need to keep getting lucky. Bowlers only yeah, yeah. need to get lucky once. Yeah. That is a very good analogy. And it's very true. So like you only have the one wicket. Once you lose that wicket, you're out. If analysis looking at shows up a weakness or a deficiency in your technique or something and the bowler knows about it, yeah, say they can keep plugging yes. away at that. And all it takes is that one time where you get it wrong or slip up in some way, and the ball has yeah, got you. And bowlers no longer care about, oh, yeah, great ball, and he and I somehow didn't get a wicket or a dose of drop catch. They're just like, oh, that just means I'll get him, you know, eventually. He just got lucky. Yeah, I know I what need I need to, to do. do. The plan's working. Exactly. And I think there's another side, like, I think cricket, as long as... as even though it's had like sports psychologists help players to get confidence and things like that, um, and to work on their mental game, uh, was another Jared Kimber um, podcast, and he because he's been interviewing a lot of New Zealand players, um, including and both these podcasts I highly recommend to any of our listeners looking. It's the Red Inker podcast by Jared Kimber. Shout out to him. He interviewed Danny Morrison about both his playing and his commentary career, All right. uh, which was as entertaining as you can imagine because it's Danny Morrison, like yeah, yeah. one of I think one of New Zealand's favorite broadcasters. Let's just there's enough said about that, right? Like him and Ian Smith. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think if you were gonna have a Mount Rushmore of New Zealand cricket, like Ian Smith would be there as a broadcaster. Like you would have like yeah. Martin Crow, Richard Hadley, obviously John Reed for his captaincy, and Ian Smith as like you know the broadcaster. He you know the voice of New Zealand cricket in many ways. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, the um, Danny Morrison talked about it. But Ian, O'Bri- uh, Ian O'Brien's uh, podcast was really interesting because he talked a lot about mental health and struggles going into because he had a very unusual pathway to the. He didn't play school cricket. He only picked up playing fir- yeah. first-class cricket after university because he played softball all the way through his uh, university career. 
Um, all right, yeah, and then, yeah. like, he kind of, like, he didn't know all the players. Like, everybody kind of grows up, no, you know, in the New Zealand team. If you Once you've made it, like, if you've been playing in the first-class scene since, like, you know, your early 20s or even as a teenager, you know all the other players. You've played against them, and, like, you at least have played against them in age group level and things like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So he didn't know. And he said there was a lot of things, like, he wished he knew about how the player, you know, how what things were not to be said and what, you know, how... The different dynamics within the teams were, you know, within the and the hierarchy work yeah, yeah. in the team structure. But he also um, talked about uh, he thinks that there's good emphasis put on physical health and uh, and your um, into you know your mental health, your mental game. But there's a, there's not enough. He thinks people are still not putting enough emphasis and analysis on emotional health. Oh, right. Like, yeah. his idea is like, look, there's a reason why so many people get out after scoring a century and why so many bowlers just get the four wickets instead of five. Yeah, yeah. And that's clearly a psychological thing. And there, you know, it's what, how do we put them in the right position? So, how, and he's like, we have to create the right culture in the team so that the those emotions are. Could, are managed properly by each player because everybody's emotions mm. work differently, but they yeah. all have to be free to be who they are in that team and like and you know and the, and yeah. they work out how they can you know how they can be themselves and bring out bring out the best outcomes for the team, which I thought was really interesting, and like one of his big like bugbears apparently is that you know like if a team wins they kind of get given the day off and they go out for like a circuit and have a few beers whatnot if you lose you have a whole day of analyzing he's like why don't we analyze wins it's not like we did a good job and like no usually this came down to moments and little bits we should be analyzing those yeah. and he's like of the opposite opinion he kind of just thinks look if you have a loss i think guys we should just go look bad day at the office we'll write it off We'll analyze our wins because we get yeah. more opportunities to look like, you know, the idea that you learn more from losing than winning is like, he thinks that's a fallacy. That That is an interesting point. And he does make a good point. Like, you had a win. Analyzing it, at the very least, has as much benefit as analyzing yeah, the lo exactly. loss. As possibly more as well, because you can see the things you did right. Or also what things the opposition did wrong and whether you can, if you're playing them again, yeah, yeah. what you can do to exploit that again. Yeah. How can we generate that same situation? Because we found there was these weaknesses or these bits where we always came out on top. So how can we ensure we manufacture those situations as much yeah. as possible? Because then we'll exactly. Get He's working in the Wellington as a Wellington as both a bowling coach for the men's and women's team. And part of his job is yeah. to mentor people with mental health issues in Wellington cricket. So I'd be interested right, yeah, to see yeah. if he gets more of a role in New Zealand cricket um, and yeah. gets to like kind of get his ideas played out. Oh, it's really interesting because he came up yeah. with this whole idea and philosophy and apparently he told one of his good mates about it and then his friends went, oh yeah, that's just like Pete Carroll from the Seattle Seahawks. He's like, who? I don't know anything about NFL. <laughs> oh, so this guy literally from the other side of the world playing a different sport came up with exactly the same ideas I did. So he's like, oh, that means proof of concept. Like, you know. Yeah, yeah. Must be doing something right. Must be on the right yeah, track. Yeah, yeah. Which I find hilarious. 
Like New Zealand at the moment, because his his basic idea is like, look, at the moment New Zealand has like a lot of depth and a lot of good players for both our batting and bowling, and you know, even uh, for spin bowling, while we don't have an outstanding spin bowler compared to international level, we've got a lot of people competing, yeah. and I think they all feel part of that team. Mm. I just don't think we, I just don't yeah, think yeah. New Zealand gets enough games at Test level. So, like, this generation could very well be wasted just because we don't get enough games to play and, you know, get give people the chance to learn the international game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. Like, I think going forward, my adjustments to the World Trade Championship would be... I like the format of, like, you just play the three teams home, three teams away. Like, I think that's fine. Yeah. And, like, that kind of gets so- sorted out by your seeding, and I think that's also fine, to a degree. Uh, yeah. It would be nice to figure out a way to integrate, like, the remaining four teams, I believe. It's, so I think there's only nine teams in the current roster, so I think Zimbabwe, uh, Ireland, yeah. and Afghanistan are not part of the championship. So I would like there to be a way to incorporate them in. Yeah, yeah, and if yeah. that means everybody has to play seven games instead of six, okay, maybe. I don't know. Maybe seven's a weird number, but even if you incorporate them in and they play six games somehow, and you weird it out, yeah, yeah. I don't know how you do it. I'm just saying, like, I, there must be a balance relegation promotion. I'm also open to that. Like, well, yeah, two divisions, not necessarily relegation promotion. Well, it would be relegation to promotion because you'd move up and down things, but the top five or six play each other more than they and they just do some crossovers to go down like they play one of the bottom yeah. set each and then play each other or something or play two of the bottom set and then each other through so they get you get your six I think games part of um, the reason why they didn't want promotion relegation is they wanted every test team to feel like they had a chance to win this test championship yeah, yeah. I don't know if that means we expand the format and we have like a, a longer tournament. I mean, that feels a bit unworkable. Yeah, yeah, it's already a pretty long time. But I think this, so. relegation promotion for the bottom three, the current bottom three in the test rankings, um, Ireland, the Zimbabwe, and Afghanistan, feels okay. Just because I feel like you know they were no disrespect they weren't likely to make it to the finals and, and even if we had a semi-finals and finals i don't think they would make it so i feel like if they earn a spot to go in and like there's some like it also prevents more more match fixing right if you have a semi-finals and finals which i think we definitely should do we should have like a semi-final mm. series and a finals series so like one of the rewards of winning uh, coming first and second is you host a semi-final series in your home. Oh yeah, is that after the semi-finals home and yeah. away? <laughs> that makes sense. You did the two-match semi-final series or something, or even a th- or a three-match match. semi-final series. I think is good. And, sh- and yeah. like, if you have a three-match uh, semi-final series, um, I think the if it's a drawn series then away uh, i don't know how you do it like whether it just means the team with the higher ranking goes ahead or you have a super over <coughs> um <laughs> boundary but count back um boundary yeah. count back yeah um, <laughs> too, still, still too, too soon, soon. <laughs> or maybe the team which gets the most I, wickets in the yeah and I, I think in that case it's still even though it means the home team can just play for the draw through the three tests, I think the higher ranked one goes through. So I, 
the team that the first and second team so they earn their right to host it they also earn the right to if it if they can hold for draws then they go through as well or they wait this is an idea that's out there and it'll never be implemented the fine if it's a drawn series and in the final test we play a timeless test <gasps> oh if it's one one and it goes or nil all you know yeah or nil all yeah whatever it might be it goes you, you can't stop playing the final test until there yeah. is a winner. And if it's if one side is leading one nil, whoever wins the final test wins. The the timeless test wins. All so right. if it's a one one, the tie or nil all, the tie, final test is a tiebreaker anyway. And if it's one nil, whoever yeah. wins the final test wins. So if you you either want to win the first two tests and guarantee yourself, yeah, or you win the eliminator, yeah, or try good, yeah. If the first test is a draw, then you want to concentrate on that last game. Yeah. Which makes for an interesting second game where people are have uh, pulled ahead to the next game. So it basically means people don't play out for a draw in the second game if you've won the first game. Because yeah. the, the yeah. team can come back in the third test and beat you. Yeah, Whereas exactly. if you try and get... Like, you know, if you've won two tests and the third test is just a dead rubber for, you know, paying fans to play and whatnot then it's fine that you were if you yeah. win that for like pride all well and good but you don't get to go to the finals because you lost two one or you can just have a one-off test which is a timeless test yeah you could do that too i guess i think the current format with reserve days and everything it makes sense though um, i think if, yeah. even if you had like a six-day test with a with a reserve uh, day to in case it rains then i think that's fine um, it's up to the ICC yeah. to make sure that te- the we get a contest, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think one match home advantage maybe for a semi-final is okay, but a one-match test series seals a bit weird. Or you could just have the host country host the finals. You know, it's like having a World Cup finals, like the football World Cup finals. Yeah. You're hosting it. If you don't like it, oh yeah, so you host the the semi yeah. and the final. Yeah, that could yeah. work too. But like, I think you we agree that there should be some sort of semis and finals, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think if it's a draw after that, whoever's higher ranking wins because, you know, you've performed better throughout the tournament. Yeah, yeah. you got to have some benefit for from coming first yeah, in the whole first tournament. First or second, you know, like because you're facing the... Yeah, yeah. Or whatever it might be. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, if you come first, you get the best benefits. You're going to have benefits to the semis, benefits in the final, no matter I who think you're facing. part of the... And I think valid points people made is New Zealand made the finals by paying... a far fewer games than Australia or India or England. Yeah, yeah. Part of that, I think, is we go every World Test Series must have uh, is capped. You have three Test Series. You could still have the Ashes be a five Test Series and the uh, Gavaskar Border Trophy be a five Test Series, but only the first three Tests count towards the World Test Championship. Yeah, yeah. Because that way all the points are equal. Everybody's playing an equal amount of games for the tournament. And I think that's fairer. Yeah. Yeah, I do think that's fair as well. I feel like they should everybody should be playing the same number of tests first. I'm not saying these sort of rules would ever get implemented because I think it's gonna be. Oh, no. I can just see like England and Australia go, oh, but like three games, like because they usually play a six-test series. Three of the games are basically like not counting towards World Trade Series. So you could actually end up with one side winning the winning the Ashes or retaining the Ashes, but like the other side getting most of the World Test you know, championship points. Yeah, yeah. Which, yeah, it's a thing that can happen. Yeah, yeah. 
In fact, I believe that might be what would have happened if India had... No, it would have been a drawn series if in... Because I think it was a four-test series, wasn't it, for India and Australia? Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it would have been a drawn series, and like the final one just decides who wins, who gets to retain the trophy. Well, India would have retained the trophy anyway in the event of a draw because yeah. they hold hold it, the Gavaska border trophy. But I think some of these border trophies, like the Ashes and the Gavaska border, it won't matter that half the points, half the games only count for the World Trade Series because you know there's prestige in hosting, holding the Ashes and the Gavaska border yeah, trophy, yeah. or like you know, there's the ones that are the Wisden trophy, like played between West Indies and um, West Indies and England and the Frank Worrell trophy between the West Indies and Australia and like the Trans Tasman trophy. Yeah. Like if India and Pakistan ever start playing test series against each other again, then yeah, that yeah. that's not a series. It doesn't matter if the test match is doesn't count towards world world test championship points, they're gonna wanna try and get those wins. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But I think test matches are still going to count, whether they count toward... Like, there'll still be test matches played that are not part of the WTC. And I think if they're not going to yeah. have the bottom three teams play in the WTC, there has to be, like, a future tours thing, like, where they get to each at least get to play, even if it's away from home. One of, you know, like, Afghanistan, it's really hard for them to host, yeah. but Ireland get to host, like, England or Australia. Yeah. That's why I was liking having the the sort of two division approach and about having a cross two division approach is good two cross games so they get their the experience as yeah, well. Yeah, because like because if we look at the I think the ICC cricket rankings or the associates, I think Holland is the next uh, associate, mm-hmm. and I wouldn't mind if Holland the games they play between could be just considered first class games, and I think that's fine. After the uh, full members, like the twelve full members, the the associate members, if you just had like the top, the ones with ODI status, just compete with those three because currently that's Namibia, Nepal, the Netherlands, Oman, Papua New Guinea, Scotland, United Arab Emirates, and the United States. That's like eight countries plus those three. You could have, or maybe just the top four, which is, I think, Netherlands, Oman, Nepal, Namibia, plus the three. That's eight countries. You can easily do, like, a World Test Championship thing with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, there's enough teams there to do. Yeah, like, two divisions, I think, could work. And at least, if you had a second division, whether you have... You don't necessarily have to have a relegation promotion, but you're at least giving these uh, test sides teams to play. Well, like the relegation promotion comes from the test rankings, yeah. right? So you still get ranking points and go up and down the test rankings. So you just need to get into the. Uh, I'm more meaning like I think if the full members go, no, we're not going to do this because we don't want to risk having like potentially India or Australia or England ever getting relegated. Like that would ever happen. Like it's not realistic. Yeah. Well, that's what I mean. It's it's just called the test rankings, right? If they drop down to seven or eight, well, they drop down to seven or eight. Yeah. Like, the same as what happens if they somehow drop to 10, 11, 12 currently, you know? Mm. I mean, it's you're right, it's never going to happen, but technically that's the promotion relegation now. Like, if they drop down to under being worse ranked than Zimbabwe, Afghanistan, Ireland, you know, than in the bottom three at the moment, what happens then if they're that low down? Yeah. You know, I would say that those other ones would be saying, well... 
surely we get included now anyway. So it's de facto promotion relegation by somehow having your rankings lose so many spots that you blow everybody else. So. Yeah, like in the current format, Bangladesh would get relegated, so I'm happy they don't get now. <laughs> <laughs> probably Afghanistan promoted ahead of them because in that period Afghanistan has beaten them oh right yeah the, I hope they do continue it I hope that this is not just a one-off tournament yeah I think they have to continue don't they well there was great plans they want to I think the COVID has played a bit of havoc on it, but I do think it needs to have a few yeah, yeah. changes yeah and I think there's some valid points. Like I think we, you and I talked about it when they changed how the point system was going to work, um, based on how many, yeah. like based on how many of the remaining games they could play. It blah blah blah. That's what really gave New Zealand an advantage. But yeah, Virat Kohli made I think some very valid complaints. Like, look, you kind of didn't tell us anything. Like you didn't like I'm yeah. not. He didn't say that the ideas were bad and they they wouldn't work. But he's just like, look, we're players. We're not just people. You who have no stake in this. You can't just treat us like no one. Yeah, yeah. They're actual stakeholders on it. So yeah, and like at least you didn't have to listen to what we said. But you 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 know you didn't have to do what we said. But you at least should have taken our feedback and been like, oh okay, like what we think is fair. Or even like a fan group, like yeah. they did. It's like this is what's wrong with cricket, right? Like it's always decided by like m- men in smoky rooms in the middle of nowhere who just somehow decide <laughs> they know everything. Like they never consult fans, they never consult yeah. players, yeah, unless they absolutely have to. Like you know, like a union. This is the thing. Like cricket survives despite the incompetence of the administration at the highest level. Like literally, yeah. it's people yeah. who are cricket tragics that keep cricket going. <laughs> that is very true but I think also cricket are more blatantly open about what's wrong in the game like there are things like in baseball and football that are like controversial topics we don't want to bring this up when we're talking about you know the sport like cricket's like yeah no we yeah. totally call people out on bullshit all the time like and, you know like because they're not people are always insecure like cricket fans are always like oh man how long how much longer can we keep playing the sport that lasts for five days that we love? Like, you know, yeah. we don't want to go away, <laughs> you know, but we're also like, with that insecurity comes, like we're blatantly willing to argue. Yeah. yeah. And put a lot of effort into, into supporting it and keeping it going and, and having it. Exactly. Happen. Like, yeah, these, yeah. it's not a coincidence that I think New Zealand are one of the first teams to use analytics. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think in cricket. Yeah, no. Like it's one of those things. Like New Zealand always looks for how to outthink the opponents because they know they don't have the resources. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's a a good way of looking at it. You can't just rely on talent in New Zealand. Yeah. Like we now have it, but even now, where they play in that mindset, make most of what talent you have. Yeah, exactly. Like. That's why players like Tom Latham, Henry Nichols can play really well. Like and Ross Taylor as well, obviously. Um yeah. he's all, I think his record is probably a bit better than those two so far in their yeah. career. Um and like obviously Kane Williamson is like a generational talent, but we might not get another Kane Williamson for twenty years. Like we had to wait like twenty years between Martin Crow and Kane. Yeah, exactly. I think in between, though, we had some very capable players like yeah. Stephen Fleming, yeah, um, yeah. Nathan Astle, Craig yeah. McMillan, yeah, yeah. and Brendan McCullum, which yeah. I, who I shouldn't know. Um, but yeah, also, if you just count Brendan McCullum as just 
on his batting stuff, he's just very good. Uh, yeah. Oh, ridiculous. And and yeah, just keeps evolving and changing and yeah, yeah. And is actually Brennan McCullum's a great example of that and of the New Zealand unorthodoxy that you're talking about in, in tactics terms... and strategy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. And and thinking it through and and adapting his play style to change over time to fit what's needed, what he could see needed to change to push things on to the next level as well. Do you know where they're going after the final? According to Google, basically no no scheduled games until we play three ODIs against Australia at the beginning of next year. So I right. assume that I yeah, assume no, there'll be something scheduled no, eventually. Be, yeah, they haven't scheduled it yet, basically. And like I'm sure they're gonna have like a World Test Championship calendar set up. Yeah, yeah. So one. It may be that that it's waiting for the for them they're waiting for the end of this cycle of the test the championship to put out the next cycle. Um and the games yeah. will get scheduled in at that point. And obviously yeah. there's a um potentially a T twenty World Cup next year. Yeah. So that's coming as well. Yeah. So there'll be a lot there'll sure to be a whole heap of T20 games, they'll start scheduling in and around that as well. So. Oh, I'm sad to say this. Brunei Cricket got kicked out of the ICC. I used to be an admin of Brun- in Brunei Cricket huh, when I was a teenager. Very okay. sad. Because yeah, me and my friends in my high school, St. George's, represent, helped form the, the high school cricket league. All right. Which oh, cool. originally only had three teams, and we... Uh, we won, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> and also, one of my dad's second or third cousin was like the captain of the Brunei cricket team for a long time, and like he's late now, but he was also the CEO of Bangladesh cricket for a while. All right. Oh, cool. That's sad. very sad That's for me cool. to see that they got banned. Yeah, that is sad. But hopefully, the. Sultan will make sure we get get back to our former status <laughs> of wins again. I wonder how. Yeah, yeah. I wonder how Brunei cricket has done since I left. Because there, it does play a regular annual tournament called the Borneo Cup, just played between right. just Brunei, uh, Sabah, and Sarawak. Just ignores the southern half of the island. <laughs> Because they don't count, apparently. And like Brunei used to kind of okay. have a bit of a monopoly in that, but they haven't won, uh, I think, the Borneo Cup in a while. All right. The Sabah team has actually got a lot of locals who play for that team, but the Brunei team was pretty much full of like expat Aussies Engl- and English players and like people uh, from the subcontinent who play cricket. All right, yeah, yeah. But it's interesting because, yeah, but in that part of the world, Malaysia is mostly local. Malaysia and Singapore are mostly local people, but Brunei still, like, you know, the diaspora are the main contributors to the cricket team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but yes, with that all being said, and not to give you so much of a nightmare, <laughs> I think that's all we have time for. Uh, thanks very much for listening. I look forward to hearing from you next time. Catch you next time.